0: Listening to Real Talk on RCR, Reality Check Radio. You're on Reality Check Radio. It's Real Talk with Rodney Hyde and Home Ownership. Now, I don't know how young people do it. It's a struggle with house prices, absolutely mad. Well, coming on our show now is Claire Williamson, who not only has done it, but helps lots and lots and lots of people do it, and has written a book explaining how you can do it. Clear. Good morning.
1: Good morning, Rodney. Thanks so much for having me I,
0: on today. Listeners are aware that I mix names up, and I have to. I had to pause. Clear, clear. It's not Kathy or Sally or Karen. You got Claire. it right.
1: You know
0: Now, you've written a book and it's called from smashed avos no tell me the title it's a wonderful title
1: it's called smashed evo to smash goals the fun and easy way to buy your first home
0: what a title did you come up with that
1: You know what? I actually did a wee competition on LinkedIn to help people name my book. So I couldn't think of a great name myself. So I said, look, guys, help me out. And one of my wonderful connections, she suggested something about Smash Davo. And I went, Smash Davo to Smash Gold. Great. So we sort of did it together. And I think we got a really good result.
0: (laughs) It's a fantastic result because it's catchy. And once you get it, you remember it. And of course. It's part of the modern lingo that a smashed goal is a goal that you've achieved, which actually I think is recent. I don't think that was a – maybe you'd smash things if you won a race, you smashed it. But a smashed goal, I think, is is a, a new lingo. Now, am I a bit stupid? What's a smashed avo?
1: Smashed avocado? Yeah. Yeah, so this is a, a wee story actually that came out in the media a few years ago and it um, made, basically someone had said, hey, millennials eat far too much smashed avocado. They're never going to be able to own their first homes. They're, they're going out spending money on brunch every weekend and they can't save. So my my sort of take on that was that you can have it all, but you have to have it all in moderation. So um, my idea was you can still have your smashed avo, Maybe just not quite as often while you're saving for your first home, and um, and yeah, and and then you can still meet your goals of home ownership as well. And what is it? Yeah, that's great. Well,
0: I don't have I ever eaten a smashed avocado.
1: Like have, I've
0: eaten avocados, but what's the reference? To the like, um, <laughs> is it going a, out to eat breakfast or brunch or something? It
1: is. Yeah, it's it's a it's a relatively common breakfast. Um, uh, dish I suppose where you like smashed avocado on toast and sometimes they put it with feta and sometimes they put oh, it with you know meats and and, salads so if, and if, you're a,
0: if you're a cool young person and you're looking after your diet and you love meeting up with your friends you have a smashed avo on sourdough toast at brunch and it costs you 27 dollars with a coffee
1: that is it, yes. But and, my point is, you don't do that as often when you're looking to sell do, you, you buy your first home.
0: Do boys eat smashed avocado on toast?
1: I have yes. seen this happen before. Yes. Oh, yes. Not just a girl thing, no.
0: Okay, because like. No. Anyway, I don't. I'm. Um, I'm. I don't think I've ever ordered a smashed avocado, but I have had avocado, and I have had avocado at home. But I just read that, and I thought it's a great title. <laughs> And I wanted to create. Now, tell me this: you're a very, very busy lady, and we're going to get into that. But you're young. How I old am. Are
1: you? I just turned thirty three this week.
0: Good on you! And yeah. you got your first home in twenty fourteen.
1: Twenty fourteen, yeah. So, so I have done my research. <clears throat> you have, you have, yeah. At the end of twenty fourteen, November twenty fourteen, um, my partner at the time and I purchased our first home in Hamilton in Glenview, great suburb. And uh, and actually, just a wee story, we purchased it from um, a deceased estate. It was a huge house, six bedrooms, and we thought, yay, we're getting more house, go us. And on the day of move in, we discovered that no one had thought to clean the house. So we moved in and we spent probably all night cleaning the house so that we could actually move our things in. But, you know, nothing could dampen our enthusiasm. We, we'd we owned our first house and um, and it was a wonderful project, really. Uh, over the years, we um, renovated it and added a lot of value. There was, there was sort of a few bits and pieces left there from the previous owners, so we cleaned all that up and... Yeah, and then a couple of years later, we were in a position to build. So that was pretty cool.
0: So uh, there's nothing more exciting, as you say. You are, what, 23, 24, in love, and you buy a house, and you're so excited because it's the ultimate in adulthood, isn't it, and responsibility, and you have your house. And when you fix it up, it's
1: yours. Yeah, and you get to choose stuff. Yeah, you, know? you get to choose the colours, and you get to make it the way that you want it to be. And often, often you don't have a lot of money at that stage. Um, one of the other really interesting things I think I say to people a lot: when I b- bought my first house, we were right on the edge of affordability. Like we we probably shouldn't have been able to to borrow the money we did, and we scraped every penny together and our income wasn't amazing we were I was working part-time and studying part-time and um and it just the timing probably wasn't perfect but at the end of the day I think it's really important if you can to do because sometimes things change and if if you've got a um if you've got a loan approval say it, working through we'll talk a bit more about that later getting into it and actually being able to take that ownership so then you do have the choice to You know, paint it grey or paint it purple. Um, Mm. Maybe the neighbours might have something to say about the latter. But, you know, um, it does give you a real sense of pride and ownership um, and Uh, excitement. Did you have
0: flatmates to defray the costs with six bedrooms?
1: We actually didn't. And it's funny, no one's ever asked me that before. We actually didn't have flatmates. We had, the odd person would come and stay, but um, no, we didn't have flatmates at the time. Uh, I think we did actually, though, go overseas about six months later. So we made a few improvements and then decided that we were going to um, go for a bit of a trip. And actually, we did rent it out at that stage. Okay. So yeah, went through the the whole period.
0: Well, well I'm renting in Arrowtown, in a very small place, and right now I'm interviewing you from my 12-year-old daughter's bedroom, and in Queenstown and Arrowtown, there is a massive shortage of houses, and people literally pile in flatmates, married couples with children, they have flatmates, they have people sleeping in the garage, and then they'll park, someone's camper van in the driveway and have people living there. It is absolutely nuts. I know of a grandmother sleeping in a caravan park. She's not poor, but she can't get a place to stay. And I have several people I know who are working and literally sleeping in their cars. Now, funnily enough, they're tough people and they don't moan or whinge about it. They're not they're not the homeless that you see in the paper, but you know, they're carpenters or builders or electricians or tilers and they can't get a place and they just young and they will sleep in their car. How nuts is that? So I've got a very distorted view. So when I read that you had a six bedroom house, if that had been in Queenstown, you would actually have 15 flatmates and probably four in the garage, if you know what I mean. It's so crazy down here. And the other funny thing is they've built these suburbs and there's no room for all the cars because uh, everyone has a car. And so per house, they're literally six cars parked outside it on the lawn uh, down the street. It is amazing. What a world we've created. Now, that was my little story. What's a mortgage broker? Which is what you do during the day,
1: right? Yeah, so a mortgage broker or a mortgage advisor—that's what yeah. that was. That's what we call ourselves these days. Yeah. Uh, we are essentially the in um, between between a, a client or a person who wants to borrow money and the bank. And what we do is we sort of—I—I I say we speak bank. You know, we interpret policy. We, um, we ensure that we explain things in people's terms um, so that they understand what's going on. Um, but also, I think one of the most important things that a mortgage broker does is has a bunch of options. So every bank has a slightly different policy. For example, um, one bank might say, hey, look, we're happy for you to have a border paying $200 a week Another bank might, their maximum might be 180, and another bank, their maximum might be 250. So, depending on the bank, that can change your borrowing amount quite significantly. So everybody has a different situation Um, and I think it's really important to have those options because sometimes it can mean the difference between making a purchase work and not making a purchase work. So um, that's the first reason and the second reason is um, I very biasly believe that everybody should have financial advice Um, and so coming to an independent mortgage advisor means that you you get advice for you and you don't have to pay for it. So um, I think it's a (laughs) no-brainer. personally.
0: Instead of going off to see a banker in a bank office who, I don't know, it's sort of a bit of a power imbalance. You don't feel that they're exactly on your side. And, of course, it's not like the old days when you're in a little town and it was Sam and you'd pop in and see Sam or Joanne that you knew from Cubs or something and you'd talk to them about a home mortgage and everyone's situation was a bit straightforward. Um, Now I can go to you. What's your company you work
1: for? My Mortgage is our company. Yeah. I can go
0: and see you at My Mortgage. And you're obviously a person that's very easy to talk to and with. And then you can say, well, what are you trying to do here? And then you need to know certain information. And then you can say, well, here's here's a good option. Now, how do you get paid, if that's not a rude question?
1: No, not at all. It's part of the legislation now for us to tackle Ah. how we get paid, so that's all good. Um, So we essentially get paid by the government, uh, the the bank. I was going to say,
0: I was going (laughs) to terminate the interview
1: get paid by the bank so when we put a loan in place um Mm -hmm. the bank pays us a a small percentage of that loan um in a a commission essentially so it depends a little bit on the bank and how it's structured but some banks will pay um one payment and others will pay what we call a trail commission which is um for a small amount but for a longer amount of time so for us it doesn't really matter we we have a, a heap of banks that we work with we it doesn't bother us really whether it's a um, up front or a little bit longer longer term. We, we, is that hmm. all
0: made public because of the legislation?
1: It's it's diclo- disclosed to each client. So okay. obviously it's a different, a little bit different for each client. So what yeah. we do is at the end of the process we talk about what their structure is going to be um, and we send all that off to the bank and then we have a final document that we send off basically which says, cool, yep, here's how much um, we get paid and our, our business gets paid um and yeah and we take a pretty pretty um good approach to it I suppose in that okay. we just make sure the clients looked after because we we kind of want every client that comes to us we want them to be our client for the long term and forever so as, okay. as long as they've got a mortgage and want okay. them to stick with us though so.
0: and so you don't have a preference financially to any one lending institution or another
1: no that and that'd be a bit tricky. Exactly. Yeah. No. That I think that's a, the good thing about having um, mm. a business like ours. We, we we don't like we do work slightly on commission, but it's not the same as contracting. So we everyone in our business is employed, um, and we do the right thing by the client for that reason. So um, yeah. So we don't have, I suppose, as much competition uh, mm. within our ranks um, mm. and within our business. We just yeah um, everyone I, gets paid. Fairly. I am.
0: I am your grandparents' age, I'm um, afraid to say. So I grew up in a completely different world. And um, it's hard for us to understand. And I know people now like to overshare. But when I went in to get a mortgage, typically you had worked for several years. Everyone knew that you had worked, you had got engaged, you had saved some money up, and you were in love and married. Nowadays, when you go along to talk to you, I mean, you're going to get some extraordinary stories because it's going to be, oh, I mean, I would be embarrassed to talk to a mortgage broker about my past five years. Oh, I'd look at my thing and say, what happened there? Oh, yeah, no, it didn't sort of work out. And, oh, and, and you were with that partner. Yeah, didn't sort of work out. And then this happened. Oh, yeah, no, I went a bit nuts. Now, I'm a bit sensitive about that sort of stuff because I'm sort of sitting there and thinking big F on my forehead. If you know what I mean, because I, I haven't had recently, and I imagine a lot of people who decide to settle down and buy a house, they actually haven't had the ideal the ideal lifestyle, for the past little while for a bank to say, "Yep, this is a good bet."
1: Yeah, I think one of the things that was publicised very well in the media was the triple CFA legislation, so the Credit Consumer Credit Contracts and Consumer Finance Act. rattle that one off um and that has restricted a few people from a lifestyle perspective so hey yep, you spent a thousand dollars this month and going out for dinner and bank was sort of assessing it and putting it in what has changed probably over the last 18 months or so is that they have been a little bit more practical about those things so um for a lot of people if they um if they buy a house they're going to sort of tighten their balance a wee bit and change things um in terms of their budget so we we have a lot of conversations around that um sometimes people say oh you know we we spend what we earn we wouldn't do that if we if we had a had a house so that's probably the first um part of it but the second part as well is what I call if this, then that. So a lot of people come to us and they might not be quite ready, they might not have quite enough deposit, they might not quite have enough income or they might need to repay some debt, for example. Um, it, the 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 situations are sort of endless really. But what we do a lot of is um, provide them some some solutions that might um, change their their existing and um, the way that they're perceived by the bank. So, for example, someone might come to me and say, "Hey, look, I want to buy a house. I've got 10% deposit and I've got a $10,000 car loan, and I earn $80,000 a year." And I might say to them, "Cool, you can borrow $450,000 now, but actually, if you paid your car loan off, and maybe they had a student loan as well, if that was paid off, then actually you could borrow $550, and it might make a big difference for them in terms of what they can b- borrow and buy for." So that's a, an example. It often happens with income as well. So we commonly get a lot of families that come to us and say they might have had someone that was off um, having a child a, a, um, on maternity leave and that might impact how much they can borrow so giving them an option of hey if you did this thing we could achieve x if you had a border or a flatmate we could achieve a bit more if you um, increase your That's deposit right. to 20 percent, so there's a lot of different options there um, and it's something that i think a lot of advisors maybe don't do quite as well because <clears throat> i think it's important right to understand where you could get to and i think the banks um don't don't really do that often either
0: And a lot of us aren't very good with money and thinking about the future.
1: Absolutely, yeah.
0: Um, I'm thinking me. Um, Now, (laughs) i got to be a bit careful here because I sound, whenever I have someone like you on, I Google them, right? And my wife worries that I'm a stalker, right? So I apologize, but I did Google you. And you're like a... Many faceted entrepreneur. You're a go getter, right? You do other things.
1: I do. I do. I have a few different hats. I have a a small business which sells um, woolen coats. um,
0: They're beautiful coats. They're beautiful coats, by the way.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I just wanted to inject a bit of uh, colour and woolly goodness into the world. Um, and I get a lot of comments. I've just been wearing my coats around in the last few weeks as it's cooled down a wee bit. And I'm, I'm lucky I've got a wardrobe full of colourful coats. Um, and people are always asking, you know, oh, where do you get those from? And so I'm sort of giving out cards and things. So it's, it, that's really What's cool. the name
0: of that business?
1: Velma and Beverly, and that one is named after my grandmother's. So that wee strange name is where that comes that's from.
0: Wonderful. Yeah. And how did you? How do you make a coat? Like how do you make a coat that's yours and you're selling? I mean.
1: You design you just, it, yeah, well, and, and you can get them pattern um patterned out. So I worked with a um she was actually a client of mine, fantastic lady, and she her and I sort of worked together. Um I sort of said, Hey, this is what I'm thinking, and she helped me put the pattern together. I'm a sewer but not a great one. Um yeah. so I understand how it works, but I'm not someone who can go out and make a pattern from scratch. So I have some incredible people on my team that that um help me with that. And then every time I want to look at a new design, that's how we that's the, how we the process works basically we just pattern it out make one i start wearing it if people like it we put it into the range pretty simple <laughs>
0: and you're using New Zealand grown wool
1: we are yes yeah. so we get our wool from a beautiful farm down in the Wadarapa called Palisa Ridge and they have some um really wonderful practices really regenerative um and and quite um, sort of yeah open free range I suppose kind of um, extensive farming Um, and their their wool is fantastic so they use it for um, making blankets but also we purchase their um, their yarn and that goes into our fabric so it's pretty exciting. Um, The people that run that farm Lisa and Kurt Portas are fantastic really really um, forward-thinking farmers and always trying to improve things on farms so very very cool. And you could be the next icebreaker. Well, I hope so. Maybe. Um, I, I'd like to keep everything made in New Zealand, but obviously with that comes a wee bit of a price tag, and I've talked yeah. about that on other podcasts in the past. Um, but yeah, it's um it's really cool to have um to have that that little wee business on the side to yeah, not make a bit of money, but to make a difference as well.
0: To tell us tell us again what that web page is to look up your coats.
1: W dot Beverly, dot
0: com. Now, when I'm going for my mortgage, because you're very intimidating because you're so successful, <laughs> I'm coming to see you and I'm wanting, you know, my mortgage. Are there are a whole lot of things that you and I know shouldn't count but sort of do, right, like of a personal nature. Um, I can imagine if I was lending someone money, I would be highly discriminatory, you know what I mean, about lifestyle and attitude and all the rest of it. So I myself, if I was lending money, would favour someone who was married, was, Mm. if they went to church, it'd be a big plus for me. Not that I go to church, but it'd be a big plus. Had been head girl or in the Boy Scouts, Um, and had a baby on the way sort of thing. If you know what I mean, because that just reeks to me of stability and commitment. And if I'm going to be lending people money, stability and commitment and honesty figure big. If I had someone come in and they're exactly in the same financial situation, but... Uh, they haven't got around to getting married. Uh, They've had lots of relationships and sometimes they're in threesomes or whatever it is these days. And, um, oh, yeah, one of them had a child, but, you know, it's with their mum. And yes, no, I've had lots of jobs. Uh, I'm going to say no. Does that happen?
1: So part of our job as mortgage advisors is to tell a good story. So I have often have a conversation with my client and we learn a bit more about them. So I probably wouldn't go into as much depth as, you know, where they went to school, whether or not they were head boy or head girl, but um, we, it's our job to um, essentially portray that situation in the best way possible. So um, so yes, to an extent, some of the things you've seen are correct, but um, I think it's more about the the financial character so if they've had a stable job if that job's been for long term or if they've changed but to a similar job in a same a similar company all of those things are, are important um ideally less existing debt um ideally good credit history all of those things but but at the end of the day and I think I say this in the book a bit as well um kind of like no problem is insurmountable if we can line up other things so there's sort of um a range of things that we consider so obviously it's income it's debt it's it's kind of financial habits what we call character um where or or or, um account conduct so how how you're managing your accounts um it's your credit history and it's probably your job history as well Mm -hmm. um rather than sort of your overall family situation we do a lot of loans with um, blended families with um parents and kids, um with small young couples, with older couples, like the the opportunities really are quite endless. But um but it's about yeah portraying that story. So what we do is we tell we're very good storytellers, basically. Good,
0: good. Mm. you you're like a good lawyer. And mm. also, I mean the bank's got an interest in the house. So it's not like the not got something backing up the loan. Yeah, absolutely. So It the, must give you a huge sense of fulfillment to have someone come to you wanting to buy a house and you pulling it off for them.
1: Yeah, totally. And, I mean, first-time buyers are my favourite in that space, really. I, I've got a card sitting here on my desk with just all these really kind words about how, our team was able to smash it for um, for a client. And it's just, it makes all the difference in the world. Like these these guys are 22 and sort of never thought they'd be in a position to, to buy their first home in Hamilton. And it's pretty exciting to be able to actually take them through that process. Yeah, I bet.
0: I bet. And tell me, are there many that you have to say it's not going to work or given that you're a problem solver, You can always say to people, well, here are the issues. This is what you need to do to overcome them. And if you do this and overcome them, I will be there to help you. Because you'd never, from what you're telling me, you never say, mate, it's never going to happen (laughs) and show them the door. You'd actually say, it's a bit like your doctor. Yeah, you've got to lose 20 kgs, um, but you can, and here's what you need to do. And it's up to them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We do a lot of that. Um people come to us and and actually a lot of the time they know they're not quite ready yet, but they don't know which levers they need to pull. Do mm. they need more income? Do they need more deposit? Do they need less debt? What what is the actual what do they actually need? And so we do a heap of that where we look at um hey, if you did this, then it would achieve this. And we are often working with people over a period of a couple of years. I've I've had clients um, come to me and not buy for three years. Um, and we just check in with them every six months, how are things going? Um, and situations can change. Um, sometimes people get windfalls. Sometimes people really knuckle down. I had a client the other day who paid off $15,000 worth of um, short-term debt, so a car loan, in um, six months. And amazing, really, really amazing. They just went, cool, this is what we need to do. They've, they're about to go unconditional on a purchase of a brand-new home this in Morrinsville. So it's, it's pretty awesome. Um, and so we give honest, but, um, kind advice. So I Mm. hear stories all the time about people saying, oh, you know, the bank or someone said, oh, I'm no good. Or I'm, you know, I'm never going to do anything. And I said, oh, you know what? I'm never going to say that to someone. I'm going to say, if you did this, we will achieve this.
0: Great. Now, you're on Rally Check Radio. I'm talking to Claire Williamson, who's a mortgage advisor slash broker, and she taught me already something so amazing because I always forget people's names because I get so into the interview, and she told me I just waved my little mouse around and it pops up at the bottom left and Zoom. Uh, my Amazing, Claire. Thank you for that. Now, this is a tricky question, but it just occurred to me. Oftentimes, it'll be a couple, a man and a woman, do you notice a gender difference?
1: No, not really. Like, um, every cl- every couple's a little bit different, or every client yeah. is a little bit different. Because you really
0: get to know them,
1: right? Yeah, we do. Yeah. And, you know, once people talk about their finances, there's, you know, Nothing. many other things that we discuss too, yeah, of right? Course. It's good fun. Um, no, I, I think in every situation, like, there's generally someone who's sort of leading. So one yeah. of the two will generally lead. Or sometimes there'll be one person will sort out the paperwork and the other person will sort of sort out the sales process of the of the purchase, so deal with the real estate agent and all of yeah. those things. Um, but there's not really a difference in gender. Okay. That can be, yeah, either or really, um, which I think is cool because it means everyone's a bit different.
0: Yeah, your generation its amazing. It's great. Now, tell me about, because I got you on ostensibly to talk about your book. What's the title of your book?
1: Smash Davo to Smash Goals: The fun and an easy way to buy your first home.
0: Wonderful. Um, what was the motivation for writing the book?
1: Well, to be frank, I got a bit annoyed at the fact that there wasn't um, enough information out there for first-time buyers. I was getting questions and the same similar questions often and there was no really resource that was in depth enough to be able to answer those questions in a lot of detail so we created blogs and we created videos and we've got a bunch of them all over our website at mymortgage.co.nz if you want to have a look but um I wanted to really create a resource that actually collected those um, those things together and actually brought them into one place so what I've essentially done is elaborated on um, a lot of those writings that we'd already done and then created some case studies and just tried to connect readers in with people that are already doing the things that they want to do. So, um, yeah, so that was probably the story of the book. It actually took me about five years to write because, you know, things keep getting in the way and um, we're a busy firm and we're we're dealing with clients all the time so having that actually um complete and being able to get it out there into the world has been fantastic
0: and it would be quite good because some I take information in through reading and I struggle oftentimes to listen or I'll hear it and then I finish an interview and if someone says to me my producer says, say what did you cover in the interview I look at them completely blankly because I'm listening very intently, but it sort of goes in and out, and I've recently taken up gardening, and I have Wally Richardson, the gardener, on, and I listen to him, it's so exciting, and then it disappears, but I've got his book, and I read his book, and it sort of goes in, I need need both, so I can imagine coming to you for advice, and getting the book, and the two of them working side by side. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And we're we actually um, providing a lot of professionals have jumped on board and wanted to actually use the book for their clients because um, it, it gives a really wide um, range of experience across the whole process. So, for example, you might buy the book and you might get your loan approval, but then you can't remember quite how you get your KiwiSaver withdrawn from from yes. your provider. So you can just go to the chapter in the book about KiwiSaver and you can look at all of the details and all of the criteria and um and it's a really easy resource. So um, yeah, I totally agree with you. I think having having a wide range of materials and um in different forms is really important. So we've essentially got a video breakdown of of a lot of the things that are in the book. Um, but I'm actually looking to create more in that space too for the people that like to be visual, right?
0: Yeah, me. Uh so it would be a great present, would it not, for a mum or a dad or a nana or a granddad for their young kids.
1: Yes, it would be. Um, <clears throat> my opinion, one of the greatest gifts you can give, right? No, it's um, it's been really cool. I've had a lot of mothers or mothers and fathers or grandparents purchase, um, and I'm you know happy to write um a, an inscription to the person. I've done that in a few. Um, different spaces, which has been really cool. So like hi John, you know, you can smash this, really exciting, <laughs> <that> <laughs> Good, kind of thing. Yeah. Well, so <laughs> how do I buy your book? <laughs> um, just on our website, mymortgage.coded and shop is our um it's probably the easiest way to get it or you can just get in touch with me. Just clear at mymortgage.coded and
0: And what does the book cost?
1: $24.99. That's
0: actually a
1: great price. How did you get it down so cheap? It's not a huge book. Um it's Yeah, so we sort of thought, you know, we want to make it accessible. Good for you, $25. Well, that's it.
0: I mean, that is actually some smashed Arvos and a latte.
1: It is exactly right. It is. So all you have to give up is one of those meals, those brunch uh, opportunities to get the book, and you'll have a lifetime of success.
0: So let me get this right. You bought your first house when you're 23, 24. And it was a big commitment because they had six bedrooms and needed to clean up. You then went overseas. You're a mortgage broker, mortgage advisor, clearly successful because you are vivacious and onto it. you got a business designing and selling colorful woolen coats, which are astonishing when you see them. Like I went on your webpage, they're astonishing coats you're a published author, Um, you're a little intimidating.
1: I hope not. (laughs) I I think I have a good, uh, a relatively good ability to to relate to people. And I also feel too, um, one of my big things is to be judgment-free. So to be able to connect with someone, learn a bit about them and about their situation, and then give them the advice based on what's best for their situation. Um, And that that actually goes beyond giving advice about mortgages too. I do it in almost every facet of life. And I think um, it's really important to stay, um, yeah, basically just to be really, really relatable. Um, So I work pretty hard on that every day.
0: You're a very, very impressive person and um, good for you because there's no reason why everyone can't be impressive. And so often we look at people and think oh god yeah look at them and that's the modern world and here you are this uh bright and shining star doing this and not only that but helping people it's amazing one of the interesting things is that you've lived in an era when interest rates have been low now changing That's been your professional experience and adult experience, I would guess. And house prices have been dramatically on the up. Do you sometimes think that that's, oh, I'll put it strongly, a fake world?
1: Not really. I think I think there's challenges in every generation, right? So um, our generation obviously does have challenges around um, house prices rising, and you know um, potentially wages not quite keeping up. But there are options. I think I've spoken to a lot of first home buyers who have decided to move to a town that's more affordable, and they've got jobs as policemen and teachers and um, retail assistants and tradies, and those types of roles are available in many areas. So I think um, probably just thinking outside of the square a little bit in terms of what what's going to help people oh, achieve their goals. I, but um,
0: I didn't explain the question well. Um, one of the things that occurs to me, I think when I got my first mortgage and people can – text me if I'm wrong at 2057 but I think it was like 11% or something nuts right because we had raging inflation and the government of the day had decided to get everything under control so we had the worst of all worlds we still had the inflation and then we had these high interest rates now the mortgage was killing you literally the inflation was eating up your mortgage And then there was a drop in property prices and your equity disappeared if you'd had to sell. And I look around where I live, Queenstown area, and the house prices are literally insane because of the cost of production, if you like, you know, an eighth of an acre with a house on it, $3 million, and the house costs less than a million or a million. So you're looking at that and thinking it's all bedded into the price of the land. There could be, now I have to, I have to say this with some caution because I've been saying this for 20 years and I feel like chicken little, you know, that there's going to be a major correction. Now, It doesn't bother me because I'm with you. People have problems, and there's always a way around them and to fix them. But do you sometimes think, hmm, I wonder what happens if this whole property market changes? Because my observation is people in their 30s and 40s just think this is normal. And to me, it's not. Just because I was, when I got my first home, it was a different housing market. Does that make sense to you? I imagine you hear that a lot.
1: Yeah, I do. I do hear it a lot. Um, and I also hear a lot about changing interest rates. It's interesting when you talk to people who are, say, 40 plus, maybe 50 plus, and they say, oh, you know, rates aren't that expensive at the moment. And I've got people who are, Thirty-five, going. I bought my first home three years ago. What do you mean? I need to pay six and a half percent. So it's diff- It's it's a very different, um, I suppose, different world in that respect. Um, in terms of property prices, I think yes, there are some areas in New Zealand which are probably, um, that bit too expensive but I suppose also going back to what I said before there are always options I like to remain positive to be honest I I don't like thinking about you know how how things are all dreadful and you know (laughs) I always think they could be better but um yeah but I think also um we do have a lot of people that want to come and live in New Zealand and Mm. that has obviously pushed up Um, our prices a little bit here as well Um, I think there probably are a few levers that could be pulled in the rental space because I think that's a big challenge as you mentioned earlier Um, rental prices are expensive as well so potentially there's just a little bit more that could be done to support more housing to be put in place open up more land all of those kind of things but I think there are plans to do that in many different Mm. places um but yeah, no it's I think um plenty of options is is key, and I think that's probably my catch cry across everything. You know options are really important.
0: Yes, and you're an entrepreneur, clearly, and it's an entrepreneurial attitude. I want to explore where that came from. but an entrepreneurial attitude is the most wonderful thing in the world to have because what it means is is that you just jump in and uh, a non-entrepreneur looks at jumping in and says, oh, what about this? Oh, mm. what about that? They're like Eeyore and Winnie the Pooh, which is a great book too. Um, and, and they say, oh no, I'm not going to do this because X might happen. And so they do nothing in their life. Whereas an entrepreneur jumps in and says, I know, excuse my friends, shit's going to happen. But when it happens, I'll fix it. And yeah. chances are it won't happen and chances are when it does it'll be something i would never would have thought about so the most important thing that i can have as a skill or a talent is to look at everything as a problem to be solved not as something that'll overwhelm me
1: yeah 100% i i have a bit of a saying that um done is better than perfect yes um which a lot of a lot of people do look at like oh, I'm going to set up a business. The first thing I need to do is set up a company with the company's office. No, no, the first thing you need to do is figure out if you've got customers and if your product's going to sell or your service is going to sell. So I talk to people a lot about that. And I, like you, I say, you know, get things started. Start talking about about things. An example with Valma and Beverly, I literally called a wool production company and went, hey, have you got some spare wool that I could just buy? Any any colour, doesn't matter literally drove up, got that wool, made something out of it, started wearing it around, people started commenting, and that meant, hey, you know what, I've got a viable business. Um, That's not the approach that everybody takes. They kind of try to reverse engineer a bunch of things and spend a lot of money too before they actually get to that stage. So I think it's really important to think, why would you be in business? It's to help solve someone's problem, or it's to help um, provide some kind of valuable product or service that's got to be where you start. And then you can just build all the other things in behind. Like I built a website for Valmer and Beverly while I was on my couch recovering from an Achilles injury. Um, it's actually, it's not difficult. You can Google things and, and you can, uh, you can kind of get all those things to fall in place. So I suppose my attitude has always been take some action, do something, even if it's small, and then you're going to learn something. Um, and I think the other thing I'd say is surround yourself with really awesome people, people that positive. are going to help change you. Yep, challenge you and and be positive about what you're doing. Um, too many people out there are trying to tear others down and um, that's a bit sad. So you've got to find the you good ones. You
0: need, with the Uh, I don't want to add to your workload, Claire, but you need to write another book about mindset because you must look around and you've got your mindset, which is a winner's mindset. And a winner isn't a person who's smart, isn't good looking, isn't all that. A winner is a mindset. And you choose your mindset to a large extent by, as you say, surrounding yourself with positive people, being positive in the morning, all those things. And the funny thing is, when you get yourself into a positive mindset, you can't understand why, A, you don't do it all the time, and B, why why doesn't everyone do it, right? And we all have moments when we lose our positive mindset, but we know, funny enough, it's a choice, right?
1: Absolutely. It is. And and sometimes I think, you know, some people are never quite going to get that and that's fine. But um, but yeah, I agree. And I think one of the other important things I've learned probably in the last six months is how important it is to tell yourself that you can achieve things, to tell yourself that you can do hard stuff. My partner and I have cold showers every morning and both of us say to each other, you know, this is because we are choosing some adversity first thing mm. in the morning to make the rest of our day seem like a doddle really yes no, no, no problem is do insurmountable that. yeah i and- i
0: i learned a lot in politics funny enough because i'm not a political person and i didn't want to do it but i did it because it was a long story challenge but i learned this i learned what you mentioned was georgie e. s patton's um A half-executed plan instituted with violence is far better than a well-thought-through plan instituted tomorrow. But also that idea that if you tell yourself, people ask you how you are, and I used to tell people how actually I was, and by the end of the day, I was miserable. (laughs) I just tell people I'm great, and I've never been better. And by the halfway through the day, you're starting to feel great. So the whole thing, is what you're telling yourself. Now, I don't want to take up your time because I saw you look at your watch and you've got clients to see. You're okay? But I'm fascinated by your mindset and I want to know where you think that came from. Was it your parents? Was it your school? Was it? Have you always been this way? Um, have you always felt you don't fit in? What is it about you That has made you this positive, leading. Ultimately, going to be successful person.
1: I think it probably did start a wee bit with my upbringing. So my parents were very hardworking farmers and sort of really showed that value. I suppose of of work ethic and getting stuck in, and we always helped. So there was always um, I suppose a sense of that. I've always. I've always done a heap of stuff all through school. I've um I've always been involved in sport and creative arts and all these subjects and learning languages. And so I've always been quite varied in, in what I do. But I think probably the the entrepreneurial probably mindset and the desire to constantly or consistently be positive um probably came from when I was working um with uh, a squash and tennis club back in 2011, 2012. Um, And I um, was working with a a guy called Adam, um, Adam Thompson, and he – really supported me to um, take more of a business um, approach to that business. So that was a a not-for-profit, right? Um, He then became my business partner, and that's how I became a mortgage broker. A little bit of a long story. But I think um, together we've actually been able to achieve quite a lot because we support each other and and build up Mm. that that mindset. So Mm. I think even more important to actually have um, those people around you who are going to –
0: yeah, who are mentors, going to, to help good, drive Good you. role models, not mm. people that will tear you down. Get the hell away from people that are negative. Get the hell away from people that uh, tear you down. Get the hell away from mentors that will use and abuse young people. Um, very, very important where you land yourself. Um, and to how you choose your friends, how you choose your environment. Um, you can see it all. Uh, looking back looking around um now again being stalky rodney i read uh i read i read a lot of your book and i think it's wonderful you also have a dream of owning a farm
1: i do yes Um, I think that comes from my roots really I have a real connection with land and I think also um, the other part of me is very rural at heart and I've always wanted to live um, live rurally but also have the impact that I'm having so I'm pretty lucky that I'm able to live just out of town at the moment but yeah owning a farm I think has been a dream of mine my whole life I used to want to be a farmer and then I decided that I'd also like to do um, have some impact in business and give back and make a bit of a difference. So this is kind of where I'm at at the moment. And um, and it's so about yeah, sheep, learning and it growing.
0: Would, it would be a sheep farm?
1: It might not be. Um, mm. that would probably be the ideal, but um it might be a farm which does a whole bunch of things. I, I think I love the real the approach of um really diversifying farming into yeah. tourism, into products, into um actually still growing and, and um providing amazing food and fibre, but there's so many other things that you can do with land these days. So showcasing some of that is probably where I'd like to go.
0: You mentioned earlier, and I'm about to wrap up, so don't get anxious because you're a person that monitors your time quite rightly, but this is so interesting to us to learn. You mentioned that you studied. What did you study?
1: So I went to university and I studied sport and leisure and English and French. So I have a BA, Bachelor of Arts in English and French and a Bachelor of Sport and Leisure Studies. It's really useful in my time as a mortgage broker. <laughs> um, I had a lot of fun. I learned a lot. I learned how to write really well. Um, I learned how to be critical. Um, I had some amazing lecturers and people that supported me and I did my um I did honors in both of those degrees. So that allowed me with I suppose just to explore the um being a little bit critical and and being able to um learn to Argue a point, I suppose, Um, but yeah, it's it's funny how life turns out. Like I often say, you know, don't have finance degree.
0: (laughs) You had three or four years of yeah, three and a
1: half years, three
0: and a half. Yep. And when you were doing that, sport and leisure, and what was it? English and French. English and French. Hmm. You wouldn't be sitting there thinking, in ten years' time, I'll be a mortgage broker selling woolen coats. What were you thinking no. years ago that you'd be?
1: I think I thought I'd be a teacher um, because I was, d- I was sort of PE, and then I had the English and French as a, yes. as backup sort of subjects. I thought I'd be a teacher. I actually started teaching, and and just it wasn't for me at the time. And then I went, "Shit, what am I actually going to do?" And so then I decided sports management was my kind of jam, and I went into working at the um, at the squash club in Cambridge, which was amazing. But I think. One of the, the key things that I'd like to share in this space is um, if someone offers you a great opportunity, take it and work out how to do it later. Yeah. It's something that I, I come back to a lot. It's, Isn't
0: um, that wonderful?
1: Yeah. it's it's um, It's a really, it can take you places if you say yes. Yep. Sometimes there are times you need to say no because you need to protect your time or your energy. But I don't think I'd be anywhere close to where I am now if I hadn't said, yeah, man, I'll be a mortgage broker. I don't know what the heck they do, but. You know, that's how I like ended up in politics. That's,
0: fun. I, that's how I ended up in politics. I had. A, I agree 100% with you. And um, you solve problems as they arise, not ahead of time. And people overdo the old business plan, get the experts in, and all the rest of it. Whereas you're best just to rush in madly sometimes and clean up the mess afterwards. Uh, one of my favorite things that happened to me was – There was no work around and I was looking for work and I went into this sawmill and they looked at me and they said, oh, I went in wearing a suit, you see, which wasn't done. This would be 1981. I went in wearing a suit and they looked at me and said, well, we've got no work in the office. I know. I said, you don't understand. You know, I'm looking for any work. And the man looked at me and he said, can you drive a forklift? And I said, has it got wheels? And he said, yes. I said, of course I can drive it. Oh, great. You know, you can start now. <laughs> so I went home, got changed, come back, sat in this forklift and thought, how do I turn this damn thing on? And I ended up quite quickly not a bad forklift driver because I know how to ask for help. And we know this in life, don't we, that if someone comes along to you and said, oh, um, Claire, how do I do this? And they're young and enthusiastic. You will fall over yourself to help them. There's nothing more you want to do than to pass on your knowledge and experience, and that will be the same uh, for someone who's wanting a mortgage, wanting some other problems around paying their mortgage, someone wanting to start in business, someone wanting to play squash, you go out of your way to help them. And all people need to do is be a little bit enthusiastic, a little bit keen to learn, and then to ask someone who knows.
1: Yeah. And I think also demonstrate that you're hardworking. It's actually yeah. going to set you apart in this generation. And I I think um there is a little bit of a sense of um, I suppose, wanting things yesterday, I think, in some um for some people. And I I do really 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 value hard work. Probably comes from, you know, being the daughter of farmers who worked all the time. But um hard work, enthusiasm, willingness to learn and a willingness to do anything, willingness to, to go and lick the stamps and and post and mm-hmm. letters, uh, you know, those things are what's going to set you up really well and provide you with opportunity. Um and I think that's just really important um to demonstrate well, that if you are wanting to learn and grow
0: well, we've got to go over this book one more time because it's a great book to give to people who want to get onto the property ladder. It's called Smashed Arvos to Smash Goals, How to Get Your First House, or some subtitle like that. It's amazing. You can buy it on the webpage, so it's just a click away and you get it on my mortgage. Is it my mortgage? No.
1: Mortgage.
0: .co.nz. My, mortgage. my How? How easy is that? My Go to the shop, look this book up. You can look up Claire Williamson. You can email it. She will sign it for your son, your daughter, your grandson. And the thing that shocks me is it's $24.99 or something, $25. I don't know why they don't say that, but it's marketing. $25, which is potentially a gift that will change a young person's life trajectory, not just and having a house. Because in getting on the property ladder, all the good things in life come along. Because you start planning, you start taking responsibility, you start thinking about the future. And it all starts from getting those keys and having that mortgage. You'll change jobs because you need more money. All those things happen when you get this book instead of having a coffee, and a bit of smashed avocado on cheese. And I suppose if you have smashed avocado, you don't have butter. you probably eat that dreadful stuff.
1: I have major- butter too.
0: Butter, because you're a farm girl. Well... Farm girl, uh, I've got to support the farmers. Oh, butter is the greatest gift on the world. Uh, Claire, you are an inspiration. Truly, truly, you are um, a... Uh, an exception to your generation and the way you take responsibility, have that flair. It's wonderful. I want to have you exposed to lift people up to what they could be. And you're doing a wonderful job helping people get their first time because it's not just about the house, is it? No. It's about a lifestyle. It's about a a life choice. And there you are going to be, you're going to have a great, regenerative uh, sheep farm with growing lots of things, producing beautiful, colourful woolen coats, which fashionable ladies in Paris and New York will be wearing. And we will know of your name. And I'm going to be sitting on my porch in my rocking chair saying, I interviewed her once because I think you've got this um, great life ahead of you and you richly deserve it. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for all that you do. And thank you for giving us an
1: hour of your time.
0: That thank was... you, Rodney.
1: It's been so much fun.
0: Oh, fun is our middle name because um, I'm, a, I'm a little bit against government and the regulators and all the people that would boss us around and tell us what to do. And I was with a group of friends at the weekend And I was a bit down in the dumps as you get because everything seems a bit overwhelming, principles of the Treaty of Waitangi, take this, do this, don't say that, don't talk about this, or you can't do that because you've got to go and see the council. And they said, you know we're going to win. And I said, yeah, yeah, it's nice to hear. And he said, you know know we're going to win because we have fun and we laugh Mm
1: -hmm. and we
0: have humanity and we're human. Mm. And, you know, that has stuck with me. And you see Mm. me, I'm talking to you. You're a human being. Mm. Funny that. And when you get talking to someone from the government and they're regulating you or they're trying to tell you why you can't do something, they're a bit automatons. They're not very, Mm. they're not fun. So good on you, Claire. Thank you for being with us. We're going to, I'll put in the links to the book so you can uh, find the book. I think it'd be a great gift. You're on Reality Check Radio. Real talk with Rodney Hyde. That was the wonderful inspiration, Claire Williamson, from mymortgage.co.nz. What an amazing human being. You're listening to Real Talk on RCR Reality Check Radio.